It's time for Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 The Fan. Presented by Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. Come in for free made-from-scratch food, signature 29-degree draft beers, and all the scenic views. I'm just going to pause while you start drooling. And brought to you by Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors of Wapaton. Now your host of the show, Josh Swanson. It's a homecoming Saturday morning as North Dakota State returns to the friendly confines of the Fargo Dome for the first time since September 10th to take on Youngstown State. This is Herded Here with Swanee on 740 AM. The fan brought to you by Peterman Seeds of Holly, Smith Motors in Wapaton, and of course, Twin Peaks. Bison Nation, I feel like I need to jump out of the radio and give you a hug or something. This team is 3-1, the consensus number one team in the country. Rocked and rolled to a 34-17 win in Vermillion. And some folks are flying off the handles, man. Matt Entz, 40-5 in his his four years. He's 40-5. And you take away that that wonky, goofy spring season, he's 40 and 2. So let's stop the freakout train, all right? Did the Bison play sloppy at the end of the first half in Vermilion? Yep. Tell you what, though, you play that sloppy, most teams aren't down by a score, by a touchdown. They're down a couple. And the Bison most importantly regained their composure and came out and absolutely butt whooped. The Yotes 24 nuts in the second half on their way to a 34-17 win. I understand. Look, I get it. I understand you don't like the red zone turnovers and back-to-back games by Cam Miller. I agree. I don't like him either. You don't like the the personal fouls, not just the roughing the punter that extended a drive and and ultimately led to a score, Jalen Bussey's fumble, you had the, the face mask at Arizona in the red zone turnover there. I don't like that either. I don't like Dom Ganella's fumble either. That let USD get a cheapie at the end of the first half. Well, let's just let this percolate and breathe a little bit because I think we'll be fine. The season is still young. Are there some kinks to work out? Sure. But most teams would be pretty gosh darn <laughs> happy to be 3-1 and one in the number one team in the country when they haven't played their best football. That is what you're looking for. That's where we agree. I'm not on the freakout train. I'm not. That second half was a thing of beauty. I think Cam Miller, for as much heat and criticism he takes from some corners of the fan base, they also don't give him the credit for the Really good plays he makes. We're going to have Sam Herter on from Hero Sports later this morning. We're going to talk about some of the really nice throws that Cam made. And, of course, there's a few that he'd like to have back that he's missed, whether it's against Arizona or South Dakota. That big touchdown run when you needed it to take control of that football game to get back in it. It was, what, third and one, third and two, and he spins out whirly bird style, (laughs) marches into the end zone. I'm not a Cam Miller critic. 
I think he's getting better. I think he's still a young quarterback. I am waiting for the Bison to play a complete football game. I don't think we haven't seen that. We haven't seen that yet, right? You you open up against Drake. Drake goes down the field. First drive scores a touchdown. The Bison have the slow start. North Carolina, A&T, it kind of felt like the Bison, it's tough to gauge a performance against a team like that, taking away nothing from North Carolina. A&T in the 43-3 Bison win. You just don't feel. In that Arizona game, we talked about it last week on these airwaves. We left so many plays on the field. We should have won that ball game. And then we take care of business after a really sloppy first half in Vermillion. That's what I'm waiting for. I hope after the game today, a homecoming celebration Saturday for Bison Nation. I hope you are able to say and hear Matt and say, we played a complete football game. We didn't have the penalties. We took care of those. We controlled third down. We moved the sticks. We got some third down stops. We're able to pick up some of those third and mid-range, third and five, third and six with Cam, play action stuff, finding those tight ends. Maybe the receivers, maybe the receivers, this is the day, one of these days. If I say it every week, eventually it will happen that the Bison receiving core, someone will emerge and have a big game. Braylon Henderson had a, a nice catch or two last week. And Cam missed him on a big one. Before that, it looked like Zach Willis would be the guy. They did a nice job on those hitches and those kind of short stop routes. Cam getting the ball to Mathis. And that's we talked about this last week. Guys, NDSU doesn't need to throw the ball 25, 30 times a game, 300 yards. It's not who we are. We don't need to do that, nor do we want to do that. Cam did a nice job, and I think Tyler Roll did an excellent job keeping USD's defense off balance and keeping them guessing with some of those plays. You can call it razzle-dazzle. I thought we did a great job on first down throwing the ball a couple times and on second down throwing the ball a couple times. Even if you don't complete those passes, even if you're only completing those short stop kind of hitch routes for six, seven yards, the defense has to respect that. And it moves those safeties and backers off the line of scrimmage. And then you know what happens, Bison Nation. You run the ball 61 times for 356 yards and four touchdowns. What you don't see on the stat sheet are some of those passes or pass attempts early in the first down, second down sequence that loosen up the soft underbelly of those defenses. So look. Just relax, guys. All right? We're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. It's going to be a big homecoming day. It's gorgeous out. The weather's beautiful. How about that homecoming parade in downtown Fargo yesterday? It's a great day to be a bison. Enjoy the dubs. They are hard to come by. Coming up next on Heard It Here with Swanee, we got Sam Herder from Hero Sports, senior FCS analyst, bet MGM writer. We're going to talk to him about the bison, the valley, and his takes on North Dakota State coming up next. So stay tuned. A homecoming Saturday at North Dakota State. Where else would you rather be? This is Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM. The Fan presented by Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. Come in for made-from-scratch food, signature 29 
draft beers and all the scenic views. Joining us, Hero Sports Senior FCS Analyst and Bet MGM Writer, FCS Guru Extraordinaire, Sam Herder. Sam, how you doing? I'm doing good, Swanee. I appreciate you having me uh, having me back on the show. Hey, anytime, buddy. And I, I got to ask you, Bison fans, you see the Twitter stuff, are, are freaking out and melting down. You know, after a, a nice win at the, the Dakota Dome against the, the Coyotes last week, 34-17, a tale of two halves where the Bison just imploded at the end of the first half but really dominated all phases of the football game in that second half in Vermilion. What, what I think, you know, strikes me as a Bison guy and FCS follower – and North Dakota State still being the number one team in the country. I don't know that we've yet to see a complete game from this Bison football team. And we we, we know, obviously, Hunter Lepke's a dude. You had a great article about him and the Peyton Award we'll get to in a little bit here that uh, you had posted earlier in the week. But what do you make through uh, four games this Bison football team? Yeah, I think there is there's a valid reason for some Bison fans to be mildly concerned right now, but uh, anything more than mildly concerned is probably overreacting a little bit too much because through four games, uh, I think it, it, it is evident that as of right now, NDSU's front seven isn't as dominant as it has been in the past. Now in the past, we're talking dominant, dominant, right? Like not even allowing teams to rush for a hundred yards per game like that dominant. This front seven doesn't appear to be, as good as some of those past ones. Now, can they get to that point by November, December? Possibly. I also think there's reason to be concerned about, you know, so far the, the biggest threats in the passing game have been Noah Gindorf, tight end, obviously, and then fullback Hunter Lipke. Uh, we don't really know what the status of Gindorf is moving forward. And so from that concern, when NDSU ever does run up against a team that can stop the run, which there's maybe, I don't know, two teams in the FCS that can, you know, go toe-to-toe with NDSU and stop the run, who is going to be that guy? Uh, to step up and, and catch the ball, be a playmaker down the field. Um, and Cam Miller hasn't been especially sharp. Um, you know, some inaccuracies, some, some turnovers um, and stuff like that. And then going back to defense, some missed tackles, um, you know. So all that stuff is, like I said, reason to be mildly concerned, uh, especially when you go up against a team like South Dakota State or a different team deep in the playoffs. Like NSU can't play like it did against South Dakota and, you know, trust that they can come back and get a win. And so I understand why there would be some concern, but at the same time, I mean, I, I kind of just have faith in, in the Bison, the fact that they'll figure it out. They always seem to, uh, even going back to last year, NSU didn't look all that great during the regular season, got whooped up on pretty good for the most part by South Dakota state. Everyone thought the Bison were down and then we all know what happened. They end up going to, uh, the national title game and winning. And even going back to 2015, you know, NSU secondary looked terrible against Montana, by the end of the year, they figured that out, and they were one of the best secondaries in the FCS. And so um, I, I think just what the past history tells us that NDSU will figure these things out and we'll be playing just fine once December hits. Last week at South Dakota, Sam Herter from uh, F- Senior FCS Analyst Hero Sports joining us on Herder Hero Swanee. In the first half, Carson Camp, USD's quarterback, made a lot of plays. Their running back, Thies, made a bunch of plays. And they were really moving the ball against North Dakota State. That front seven, I don't know how many times during the ball game that, that Dom Izzo mentions. And I love Dom. Dom's a great, I think he does a great job calling games. But it seems like several times a game, Dom's repeating, well, South Dakota or Arizona or you know, NCA&T is up to 84 yards rushing in the first half still. And the buys and have only yielded 
400-yard rushers all the last year, da-da-da-da-da. So I think the, the concern about the front seven is valid. But uh, words, Luke Wirtz for North Dakota State, I thought he, he did a really nice job stepping up at that middle linebacker position. And in the second half, South Dakota's got an explosive offense. They're going to give people some fits this year. They've got some dudes. They've got some playmakers. But what, what I, you know, watching that second half as a Bison guy and as an admitted homer, you know, I took some solace in the fact that by and large, they shut down a very explosive, South Dakota offense since Nielsen's took over. So the sample size, admittedly, is very small. You know, they put up, what, 560 against Cal Poly, and, you know, they moved the ball in the first half against the Bison. But in that second half, it seemed to me whatever North Dakota State did, whether it was just playing with their heads on straight or making a couple tweaks, the front seven, I'm with you. I think the front seven, they're, they're not as dominant as we've expected, but they seem to do a better job in that second half. Yeah, I, I think so. And that could potentially be a sign of, uh, of them, you know, maturing in the middle of that game, uh, basically. But it's one of those things where, you know, like I said earlier, uh, just we, we've seen this before where NDSU kind of whole hums its way through the regular season and then they peak in, in December. Um, but I also remember in the spring, we were also kind of talking about that, uh, where NDSU wasn't looking that great during the spring regular season, but at the same time, we're all like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's still NDSU. They'll figure it out. They'll probably still win the spring national title. But all the things we were concerned about during the spring, all that happened against Sam Houston. Lack of a downfield passing attack. Uh, Sam Houston was able to run the ball uh, pretty well uh, in that spring uh, playoffs. And, you know, I know that the spring was goofy, but my point is that's why there should be a mild reason for some mild concern is, you know, the stuff we're talking about now, lack of downfield passing attack, uh, you know, uh, having a hard time stopping the run against some physical offenses that could potentially hurt NDSU down the road when they play a team like South Dakota State who wants to run the ball. Um, and so that, that's why I think we can't just brush it inside and say, oh, it's, it's no big deal, but at the same time kind of you know, ha- have the mindset that NDSU will, will probably um, have some of these younger guys playing at a much higher level in December and November than they are now. That's what, what I struggle with Cam Miller is he's he, he won a national title. He played well in the playoffs. He's not a guy, I don't like the term game manager, but he's not a guy that's going out there being asked to throw the ball 25, 28 times or to carry a team on his shoulder. He's being asked to, to move the chains, to make smart decisions. Last two games, you've got two red zone turnovers. Um, some balls are there that he makes. He had a couple really nice throws, one to Braylon Henderson, I think one to the Stoffel or one of the tight ends. But then there are some throws that he just misses. They had a shot with with the home run ball last week that they didn't quite connect on. So it's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thing where his, his play isn't super, super poor. But when you, I think what I text my buddies during the game, you know, when you're able to run the ball like they did against South Dakota, you know, 61 times for 368 yards, I think was the, the final total for the NDSU rushing attack. When you're playing an SDSU and it's third and six, third and seven, and you need to pick up those first downs, or they they put eight, nine guys in the box and say, "Hey, until you show us you can throw it, we're gonna we're gonna stack up and, and play the run." That's the kind I that's that's what I'm waiting for from Cam is for him to put a complete game together because he looks he looks really good at some stretches, but then he just makes some head scratching decisions. And he had the running touchdown, that nice kind of spin out touchdown run. So with, with him, I, I'm not as panicky as some Bison fans are because I know some Bison fans are just super. 
critical. And and Easton Stick, Trey Lance, he is not. But he's still a young quarterback making only his, what, you know, third or fourth or fifth regular season. Well, he started all of uh, after that Missouri State game. So he's got a handful of regular season and playoff starts under his belt. But he is kind of a work in progress. So what do you, what do you make of his play where you have these red zone turnovers and he'll make a nice throw or he has a touchdown run? Yeah, I think he, he needs to get better. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And he's he's hard to gauge because he makes some big time throws where you know, I think he had that deep out he had that deep out against South Dakota this last week and that was really, really impressive. And I remember thinking, Man, I don't remember Easton Stick making that throw when he was a sophomore. Um, but then the rest of the game, you know, you just didn't really see that again. And even go back to last year, going back to that South Dakota State uh game, Cam Miller was you know, he really struggled in that game, but he did have that one throw down the seam. I think it was to Babbage uh, where he threads the needle and you go, holy crap, that is a, a next level throw. And so you kind of, you know, you, you put your mind to those throws and say, this guy has massive potential, but at the same time, he's a full scholarship division one starting quarterback. And there's a lot of division one starting quarterbacks that makes throws every now and then where you go, holy crap, that was a hell of a throw. And then he struggles, you know, for the most part, the, the rest of the game. Um, and so I think that's where, it's hard for him. It's hard to gauge because I think he does have a good arm. I think he is better. He is a better quarterback than maybe some casual FCS fans think he is. Uh, but at the same time, I know, you know, some some in the Fargo media kind of spin zones and stats to to make him seem like he's the best quarterback in the FCS or in in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. But I think at the end of the day. He's not going to be asked to do it a lot, but at some point he's going to need uh, to make a big play because yeah, when you run the ball for however many yards against Montana State, you don't necessarily need great quarterback play. And how many teams in the FCS can go toe-to-toe and stop NSU's run? Probably not a whole lot. But when there is that one team that can stop NSU's run, that's when you need a wide receiver to step up. That's when you need the quarterback to step up. Because you can look at some of the past games that NSU has lost, whether it's South Dakota State, whether it's Sam Houston, whether it's James Madison, whether it's Arizona, what did NSU need in that fourth quarter? They needed to get something going through the air, and they were never able uh, to do that in those losses. And so, um, again, can NSU go 10-1 and this regular season or 9-2 and this regular season with Cam Miller probably playing average? Yeah, but can they win a national championship with him playing average? Maybe. <laughs> they still might be able to, but, uh, you know, if they meet a team like South Dakota State in the semifinals or even in Frisco and South Dakota State plays out of its mind defensively, uh, you can't have an average quarterback play going up against a team that can stop your run. Yeah, and that's that Sam Houston game jumps out, you know, being in the spring, but that that's spot on. I, I see it the same way, Sammy. He, he was he was a true freshman. He was he was yeah. But even South Dakota State last year, when when you needed some of those and the Bison defensively, you know, getting down right away, uh, letting Strong pop that long touchdown run. But that's the same way I see it. And what I kind of scratch my head at is it doesn't. See, and I'm not an X's and O's guy. I don't pretend to be. But the so far through four games with the passing game, it seems fairly limited. To, you know the the throws he make too. You talk about some dime throws. I that out you mentioned either you know he had the one early to to the tight end, and then I think it was Henderson on the deep out was really really nice. The throws he had to Lubke against Arizona were absolutely beautiful. Those are tough throws, and he he dialed up both of them. But then what I, what what strikes me is. Yeah, that throws there. Lupke's the threat out of the backfield. You're going to hit him. You got the tight end game. But a lot of the stuff has been focused on the perimeter and on those outs, and they really don't seem to be between the hash marks. I, I'm struggling to really think of. I know they had the um, throw down the seam to, to Mathis against North Carolina A&T for the touchdown. But other than that, 
it's and I don't know if it's a, a scheme thing. I don't know really what they're doing, but it it seems to me that that passing game they're they're not they're either not comfortable or they're either scheming away from it, throwing the ball with Cam between the hashes. And I kind of scratched my head wondering, well, what what exactly is going on there? I don't know if you've seen that or have any take on that, but I, I wonder why the passing game does seem to be so focused on you know outside the hash marks than the uh, going to Lupke. Yeah, and it could be a number of things. It's hard to really put your your finger on what exactly uh, it is. You know, I'm sure we could, you know, get some answers if we poured some truth serum, you know, into Tyler Roll and kind of figure out, um, you know, exactly what's going on when you see the lack of downfield pass and attack. But it could be anything from uh, the fact that if you're a quarterback and you're only asked to throw the ball 12 times a game. Sometimes it can be hard to get into a rhythm and into a flow and, and, you know, get that timing with your receivers. So it could be that it could be, they just straight up don't trust Cam Miller uh, throwing the ball in between the hashes when they'd rather be uh, more safe and throw toward the sideline with, with less risk of being in with the less risk of throwing an interception, or it could be maybe the receivers just, you know, aren't, aren't where they need to be right now. Maybe they are struggling to get separation. Um, I know they have a fair amount of young receivers, and so maybe the route tree isn't too complex and they're not asking them to do too much. Um, maybe it's all three of those things. You know, it's hard. Just like you, I'm not a huge X's and O's uh, break down the film type of guy. Um, and so I don't. it's hard to put your finger on exactly uh, what is going on. But like I said, at some point you're going to need, you know, someone in a, in a big game to – come up with a big catch like we've seen Christian Watson do uh, in the past. And so that's something definitely to, to keep an eye on and see if they can get that going later on the season. Absolutely. Sam Herter joining us on Herd It Here with Swanee from Hero Sports, senior FCS analyst and bet MGM voter. Sam, what do you make? The one complaint that I think is justified on behalf of Bison fans as feverish as they get sometimes yeah, some of the uncharacteristic penalties, and and I hear the gripe, oh, this team's undisciplined, they have been for the last three or four years. Well, you're winning championships. So, you know, I, I don't know that I buy into it like some Bison fans do, but, you know, there's a few false starts last week. Then you've got the, the roughing, the punter penalty, which gave USD new life, and you saw the, uh, the lapses, the face mask penalty against Arizona, and the two red zone turnovers. So is that, is that something, is that a product of, hey, it's just earlier in the season, but is that something that jumps out to you watching this Bison team, the, the fact some fans think they're undisciplined? Yeah, uh, I think that is a, a fair assessment from the fans um, because, you know, I, it's, when I when I'm watching games on Saturdays, I'm watching six different games, right? And so when I'm watching, uh, you know, NDSU, USC, or NDSU, I guess NDSU Arizona is not not a great example because that was the only game going on. But it's 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 essentially you know once I see a play is done, I'll switch my eyes to another screen and then go to another screen and then and so like I'm not solely watching uh, NDSU and and you know so I don't know exactly what's going on. Um, but yeah, penalty yardage seems like it's much more than what it has been in the past, but it's not all defensive pass interference or an offensive lineman being aggressive and holding. It is some, whether it's on sports and light conducts or late hits, maybe running into a punter, it's stuff like that where um, I know coaches, they'll always say we don't mind aggressive penalties, but it's some of those more mental mistakes uh, that, that really irritates uh, head coaches. And so, you know, that's obviously fixable. Um, it's hard to really know why, you know, that is the case. Um, with NDSU, but I do, I mean, I do remember when I was living in Fargo, one of Chris Kleiman's years coaching, I remember 
they seem to be pretty heavily penalized early on um, in the season. I remember going to one of his press conferences and um, he was addressing some of the mental mistakes the team was making and how many mental penalties they had. And I don't remember what year specifically that was. And so, um, you know, I, it's not, I'm not saying all NDSU teams have been undisciplined or anything like that, but um, it does seem like something that maybe hits this team hard in, in at the start of the season. And then they kind of figure things out and, and these mental mistakes go away. Coming back after the break on Heard to Here with Swanee, brought to you by Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors in Wapton. I want to talk to Sam. You you released uh, an FCS bracketology. I think it was your second second projected bracket, so I want to get into that and, and how the Valley looks. But then we'll talk about that uh, Hunter Lovekey for the Walter Payton Award coming up next on Heard It Here. It's a big homecoming weekend in the North Country as North Dakota State returns to the friendly confines of the Fargo Dome to take on the Youngstown State Penguins. 1 p.m. kickoff at Gate City Bank Field. Sam Herter from Hero Sports, kind enough to join us here this morning. Sam, I got to ask you about that uh, article you wrote on Hunter Lepke, and, and despite the numbers not necessarily being there in the Walter Payton Award, and you made the comparison with, you know, Trey Lance, if and even Christian Watson being an All-American, if you were to look at that, at their numbers in comparison to other receivers and quarterbacks when, you know, last year when Watson was a, an All-American, and of course when Trey won the Walter Payton. So let's walk us through that, because I think, I think Lepke, especially with his touchdowns, I mean, he's got what, eight touchdowns on, on the season? That dude seems to find the end zone, and he, he does it multiple ways, and he's, he's a dude that you have to account for on every play. So I think I think number 44 is on the radars of uh, folks that have votes for the Peyton and other awards, isn't he? Yeah, he's already on the watch list uh, as well, and so there's a preseason watch list, um, and then you know a handful of guys get added to the watch list later on in the regular season uh, as, you know, guys always break out um, and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, the, the same people that vote for the stats perform media poll top 25 also vote for the Walter Payton, Buck Buchanan, Jerry Rice, freshman award and all that good stuff, the, the coach of the year award uh, as well. And voting something, I don't know that many people know is voting happens after the regular season. Um, and so the playoffs and what you do in the playoffs aren't taken into account. Uh, the reason for that is it takes Stats Perform and Craig Haley uh, a lot of time to organize the awards banquet and make sure all the, 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 the three finalists and the coaches and their SIDs can you know book their travel and get into the hotels for that weekend and all that. And so that's why um, you know it'd be great to vote after the semifinals because you know if we can get more games of watching these guys play against some tougher competition potentially, but uh, it's basically once the regular season is done is when we vote uh, on, on these awards. What it, what impresses me so much about Hunter Lepke last week against the Yotes, 20 carries for buck 50, two touchdowns in that second half in the latter stages where USD needed a stop to get in that football game. I think there was even like a third or six or third and seven where NDSU gave the ball to Hunter and he just... It, he never gets brought down on first contact. And he seems to, I don't want to be cliche and say he looks for contact, but the more these games wear on, defenses might be a, a, a little more hesitant to take him on directly. But when you can give the ball to a guy, and we're not talking like a third and one, a third and two, fourth and one situation, it's third and seven and he's running over dudes. Just the, the fact that 
people know he's going to get the ball, and it, it doesn't seem to matter. It's it's so impressive to me, and then to add in a guy who's that big, who's also very, very quick and has such great footwork, which we saw in one of those runs where he kind of tiptoed down the sideline in the fourth quarter, and then the way he's able to be a receiver out of the backfield. He might he might not win the Peyton, but I, I think he, he is one of, you know, when you talk about next spring in the NFL draft and the best players in the FCS, I don't think anyone's going to disagree that Hunter Lipke is one of the best football players in the FCS this season. Yeah, I think even a lot of people know that now that he is maybe the most dynamic offensive player uh, in the FCS. And the the point of my column wasn't to say that, you know, he is going to win the Walter Payton Award. It was simply saying he has a better chance than what even some Bison fans think. Just, you know, whether I see it on social media or just listening to other radio shows or podcasts, you know, I've heard it uh, a few times, even going back to the, even going back to the summer of, Hunter Lipke is one of the best players in the FCS, but he, he doesn't have a chance to, to win the Walter Payton Award because he's not going to put up monstrous numbers. Um, but I do think he has a better chance than you know than, than some people are are maybe saying because you know I, and I listed it in the column too about how uh, Trey Lance. I get that he had a lot of rushing yards. Um, he had zero interceptions, which obviously jumped off the page back in 2019. But of the 26 finalists for the Walter Payton Award that we were able to vote on. 15 of them were quarterbacks and of those 15 quarterbacks Trey Lance was dead last when it came to to passing yards yet he was still voted uh the winner and again I understand you know zero interceptions uh, he had like I think 700 yards rushing at the end of the regular season so that was all part of it too uh but my point was especially with Bison players people go beyond the statistics uh you know Michael Tutsi was like 155th in tackles last year he was still a first team All-American this year Noah Gindorf did not put up great numbers last year, but he was still an All-American tight end this year. Uh, you know, last year, Christian Watson was a, a first-team All-American for a lot of people. He was like 55th in receiving yards. And so I think a lot of Bison players get a ton of respect beyond the numbers. So I think most voters realize that, yeah, Watson is not going to put up a ton of numbers because it, he doesn't need to, and he's going to run the ball. Yeah, Hunter Lipke is not going to put up 1,000 yards rushing because against – Indiana State, he might have one carry. <laughs> and so I, that's basically my point of, I don't know if he'll win it, but I think there's a good chance he could be a top three finalist uh, for this award. So I do think voters overall realize just how good he is when he is unleashed fully uh, against defenses. It's a big week, and then shifting gears a little bit, Sam, it's a big week in the Valley. you got a jumble kind of in the middle, and at the top you got NDSU and SDSU, both 3-1, and one, but kind of coming out of nowhere, Southern Illinois, who looked – Looked pretty rough early in the season, giving up you know 64, 69 points to Incarnate Word. They they come off a big win, and I know Northwestern was banged up and down a little bit. That's still a Big Ten win that Southern Illinois notched a couple weeks back, and then they just took care of a, a North Dakota football team at home quite handily. So there may be, you talk about a, a team that looked like they were all but dead after the first two weeks. Here's Southern Illinois roaring back with some big wins, and they've got a, a big one against Illinois State, who's 2-1 and one in the league. What do you make, let's start to, we're talking about the Valley, and we'll get to SDSU and UND in a minute, but uh, what do you make of this Southern Illinois football team after uh, two really nice wins against Northwestern and North Dakota? Yeah, it's it's a, a weird team to track because starting 0-2 uh, with two losses to UIW, blowout loss to UIW, then losing to SEMO uh, as well, and OK team out of the OVC kind of really made you wonder how good Southern Illinois was and if you know the, the vaunted Valley was maybe not as good as it has been uh, in the past, but I think Southern Illinois 
you know, obviously bounced back with the big win at the Big Ten's Northwestern. Uh, really took it to UND uh, as well, was in control that whole game and, and won by double digits. And I don't know exactly, you know, what changed. It could be as simply as I know they're starting a lot of new players on defense. A lot of them are FBS transfers. And that game against UIW, I, I think we talked about it earlier this year, Swanee, that game against UIW when they allowed 60 points, there was just complete defensive breakdowns on like five straight series where Taylor Grimes of UIW was, was wide open. And so I wonder if it's the defense, just whether the scheme changed and said, all right, let's keep it simple. Let's keep our, our, our play sheet down on, on defense. Let's keep, let's keep it pretty simple. Maybe that's the difference. Or maybe they're just yelling a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, two straight, really, really good wins for SIU that kind of makes us forget about getting blown out by UIW in week one. And Nick Baker, their quarterback, 21-27 against UND for 289 and four four touchdown passes. So so they're a team that's uh, coming up later this season against North Dakota State where you never and, – and, you know, you and I have both been watching enough college football for a long time that, you know, no week's a given. No week's a win. We see upsets all the time. But what looked like it might not be as difficult of a road trip uh, in mid-November to Carbondale at Southern Illinois all of a sudden looks like it'll be a much uh, – better and uh, a game with certain playoff implications for North Dakota State. SDSU versus Missouri State, the the FCS game of the week this past weekend. Two top five teams, Missouri State coming off, you know, a really tough loss against Arkansas where they had that game right where they wanted it in the fourth quarter before a long punt return and some breakdowns flipped the script there. But, you know, to me, that game, South Dakota State won it 28-14. It wasn't all that close. South Dakota State just had some lapses, but they went down and, you know, they outperformed a really good Missouri State football team down in Springfield last Saturday. Yeah, it was a statement when for the Jacks, uh, I believe at halftime, the Jacks had close to 300 total yards. Uh, Missouri State was below 100 total yards uh, at halftime. Uh, I think South Dakota State was up 14 nothing at half, and they missed a couple of field goals, two or three field goals, and so they left points on the board. Uh, then in the second half, they, they kind of let, let two explosive plays happen, and Missouri State came back and tied it at 14-14 for a little bit. Uh, but then South Dakota State, uh, scored two more times in one twenty-eight fourteen, but I thought it was a much more decisive win than just a 14-point win. And Mark Ranowski looked back to form. Uh, he he was sharp, throwing for three or four touchdowns, 22 of 27, something like that, for nearly 300 yards. And so he looked really good. But I think South Dakota State's defense is legit. I think probably South Dakota State and Montana are looking like the, the, the top two defenses in the FCS right now. Uh, the Jacks' front seven most guys coming back from last year we already knew was going to be solid. I think it's the secondary that has really taken a huge step up from last year. That was kind of the weak point of the South Dakota State uh, defense and just the team overall last year was at secondary. They're looking really, really good uh, this year, holding uh, Tyrone Scott, I think, only to like two catches this last weekend. He's an All-American wide receiver. And so uh, the Jacks look like, um, to me, the, the, the you know a, a clear challenger, I guess, or, or the top challenger to NDSU for that FCS throne. Yeah, two two catches for negative one yards, and what's so impressive with the Jacks' defense that game, Jason Shelley, who's a, an All-American-type player from Missouri State, finished with under 200 yards passing. He had two picks. He was 19-29, sacked four times, and they were only able to run the ball for uh, uh, net 73 yards. So when you can hold a Missouri State offense, look, Missouri State was making some plays against Arkansas, who before their loss to Texas A&M was a top 10 FBS SEC team, and Arkansas is still a really, really good 
SEC team who's got a showdown with Alabama this weekend. If you can hold a Missouri State offense to about 250 yards at home when you're playing on the road, SD, and the Missouri State's at home, SDSU's on the road, in a game with such large implications, you know, Bobby the Shark Petrino's got them excited again down in Springfield the first time in like 30 years. Football's been relevant. That is hard to do, what they did defensively. And so I'm with you, Sam. I think SDSU's defense is absolutely legit. I think Gronowski to, to throw for four scores and 319 yards. It's interesting. We rattle off some of these stats around the Valley and in a league that's been so accustomed to having smash, smash mouth run football, you got quarterbacks, multiple quarterbacks, topping 300 yards passing every week. What's up with that? Yeah, it's, it is interesting because I'm not saying that the, the Missouri Valley Football Conference is all of a sudden like an air raid, but they are leaning a bit more on the pass compared to the Big Sky, which was air raid back in the mid-2010s. Uh, the Big Sky has a lot of good running backs and a lot of good uh, rushing attacks. Uh, but going back to the Valley, I mean, South Dakota State has kind of changed its offense when they had Zenner to now, you know, they're a bit more spread. Uh, they're, they're certainly balanced, but they like to throw the ball uh, around quite a bit, the Jacks do. Southern Illinois is a high-flying passing attack. Missouri State is a high-flying passing attack. Uh, even UND is, it has been airing it out uh, decently, pretty pretty good uh, this year with Tommy Schuster. Um, you know, he, he threw for a ton of yards against Northern Iowa. And so um, it is kind of that shift in play uh, a little bit. And, heck, even Northern Iowa, now that I think of it, they're throwing the ball down the field. Uh, quite a bit uh, as well. So uh, it is kind of interesting to watch the Valley. And, and you know, maybe it's, maybe it is because there's a lot of good quarterbacks and a lot of good uh, receivers in, in this conference this year. But you go back, you know, seven, eight years ago when you had Zenner and Crockett and David Johnson, <laughs> just a ton of good running backs. Uh, that style of play isn't necessarily what we see nowadays. Yeah, the, the UNI game, that jumps out too. They had a, a big 52-17 win against Western Illinois last week. Theo Day, 23 to 29, 260 yards, three touchdowns. So you're you're starting to see, I think, a pattern where in the valley, you're, you're exactly right. You list off some of those big running backs, even Trey Robinson for uh, for Illinois State and Youngstown, how they like to pound the ball historically. Then you look around the league and you're seeing these box scores with, you know. 300 yards passing all over the place and, and three, four touchdown passes. To me, it's it'll be interesting as the season goes on to pay attention to that as we move into October in November. But we got to talk about Youngstown State with Sam Herter, Hero, uh, Hero Sports, senior FCS analyst, bet MGM writer. What do you know about what, what strikes me, Sam? I hear everyone talking about how NDSU's got kind of two layup games against Youngstown and Indiana State before that big showdown with the Jacks. And with, with Indiana State, yeah, that's probably fair. That game, that game, the Bison should easily take care of business. But Youngstown's two and one on the year. They really have they played Kentucky, lost that one 35 nuts. And they got some wins against Dayton and Duquesne. I what do you know about them? Because I hear how NDSU's gonna roll them, then I take a look at some of these box scores, and they're putting up, you know, they're running the ball for 190 yards a game. They're throwing it for a buck seventy-eight. So they're putting up, you know, just over three hundred and sixty yards offense per game. What do you know about the Penguins? I know they got a stud running back. Yeah, it all starts with him. Uh, Jaleel McLaughlin. Uh he is a uh, fantastic running back. He was a, a D2 All-American. He broke a bunch of D2 records a few years ago before transferring to Youngstown State uh, a couple of years ago. And he is one of the better running backs in the FCS. And I think Youngstown is is trying to reestablish that identity as being, uh, you know, a, a 
a smash mouth uh, type type of program, um, and they're doing it through. They brought in some transfers, but they're doing it mostly through high school recruits, and so it's going to be a kind of a I would say a long process to for Youngstown to get to where they want to be. But Jaleel McLaughlin is a great running back to to build the, uh, the offense around this year. Uh, I even think Crenshaw, their quarterback, he's a young guy. I thought he looked pretty good uh, last year. Uh, you know, he was he was a freshman last year. I want to say he was on the all newcomer team from the Missouri Valley Football Conference. He was pretty good last year. And I think he's taking that next step this year. Um, he's you know, pretty been pretty efficient. Five touchdowns, the only one interception. Um, but again, you know, they don't. They may not have the most explosive passing attack because it all starts with uh, Julian McLaughlin. And so, um, it's it's a good test because going back to what we talked about at the start of this segment of NDSU defending the run and they're not quite as dominant as they once were. Well, this would be a good test going up against McLaughlin and and a, I would say a pretty good offensive line. Maybe not a great offensive line, but overall a pretty good one for Youngstown. Yeah, I think that's where that's where the game's decided. It's going to be in the trenches. And if I if I tell you this, you know, one of these teams is ranked fifth in the country in rush defense. The other team, or excuse me, one of the teams between NDSU and Youngstown is ranked sixth in the country in rush defense, and the other is ranked 49th. Most folks in any year would say, well, it's got to be the Bison or sixth, then Youngstown's 49th in rush defense. Not not so. NDSU is 49th in the country in rush defense. Youngstown State is sixth, and they've played they played a really really good top ten FBS Kentucky team. So when I take a look at that, you know NDSU, yeah, yeah they're but the Bison are fifth in the country and running the ball. But this might be a game where you're going to have some of those third and sixes, third and sevens, and to keep the sticks moving, you're going to need Cam Miller with Youngstown State, what appears to be a real stout rush defense. You're going to need Cam to to step up and make some throws. Point point being, I just don't I don't know where I don't know if it's Mike or, or Jeff or, or maybe even Dom who had mentioned it, but some of the, and I, I respect the heck out of those guys, but some of the analysts out there saying that, you know, the Bison should have a, a, a layup or cakewalk this game. I, I don't know where that's coming from because Youngstown doesn't look to be that bad of a football team. And they're receiving votes uh, as well. Not a ton, but they are receiving votes in the media top 25 poll. Uh, it, you know, they, they did what they were supposed to do against Duquesne and Dayton uh, to Duquesne does not have the full scholarship limit and Dayton is a, a non-scholarship as well and so um, you know I don't know if to me they haven't showed me anything quite yet to you know get a, a top 25 vote from me uh, but I do think like I said McLaughlin is fantastic the defense is, is always going to be hard-nosed disciplined they're never going to make anything easy for you um, and just kind of have that you know gritty might be a bit of a cliche but I think that's the best way to describe this Youngstown uh, defense is they're just going to um, you know smash face mask with, with the offensive line for all four quarters and make you work for it. So um, I would be shocked, obviously, if Youngstown State got a win, but I don't think it's going to be – I don't think I don't think NDSU is going to give Youngstown the, the North Carolina A&T treatment. I don't, I don't think that game, this game will be that easy. Yeah, I think, I think this is the game. NDSU finally comes out, plays a complete football game. But, Sam, we always appreciate your time and insights, and you have a, a great weekend watching football, my friend. Thank you for having me on, Tony. I appreciate it. Sam Herter, Hero Sports, Senior FCS Analyst, Bet MGM Writer. Coming up, we'll take it to the bank and give you our game day predictions on Hurt It Here with that was Sam Herter giving you the insight and intel around the FCS, including the Missouri Valley Football Conference. We're wrapping up here on Hurt It Here with Swanee on 740 AM. The fan, and, and this is a, an interesting game. The, the curious thing, you know, Youngstown traditionally has been a team, as we talked about earlier this morning, 
that plays NDSU pretty well historically outside of the last few years where there have been some blowouts. And NDSU is a heavy favorite in this one. But Youngstown, they're 2-1 and one on the year. I think sometimes that's lost in the shuffle. Now they, they got smoked 31-zip to zip by a really good Kentucky team, University of Kentucky out of the SEC, who's ranked in the top 10 of the FBS. So I, and they've had a bye week, as, as again, as we visited about. Youngstown is coming off a bye. They've had two weeks to prepare for North Dakota State. It's NDSU's homecoming. It's an earlier kick. Can NDSU match the intensity that they started off with in the second half against South Dakota? And to me, this, this NDSU team is a work in progress, like all teams are at this point of the year. You're, you're still a month in. I think there's frustration from Bison fans because of some of the, the the sloppiness, some of the undisciplined penalties, and and the way the first half ended against South Dakota. But that second half was a thing of beauty. So what makes this game so interesting is that having two weeks to prepare for North Dakota State, how does Youngstown State roll into a packed Fargo Dome? And how does North Dakota State start the contest? Which Bison team do we see? Because what we have not seen yet from the Bison is a complete football game. I think that's what the Bison are looking to put together here. Some drives, whether offensively or defensively, you see that national champion juggernaut team, the consensus number one ranked team in the country. And in other situations, the Bison just have these lapses for several drives at a time where either they they, they have some really bad decisions, some penalties, some turnovers. You can't. Cam Miller's got to fix that. I, I think Cam Miller played really well in the second half against the Coyotes. I think he had some nice passes. I think he missed some guys. I think Cam's going to get better week to week, but you can't turn the ball over in the red zone. And for two straight weeks, that's what Cam's done. That's what I'm looking for. Game day predictions from Swanee. I'm looking for a complete football game, not just from Cam, but from North Dakota State in general. I want to see a clean football game. There's one thing with aggressive penalties, whether it's on a pass interference and, and you're trying to make a play, but these roughing the punters and the false starts and the turnovers, we need to clean that up. Youngstown State isn't going to gonna come into Fargo and roll over. I think they're going to play tougher than most folks expect, and I think going into the, the latter stages of the third quarter, I think this is going to be a tighter football game. You know, most times I do the, oh, the Bison, 49-7. to I think Youngstown keeps it a little bit tighter. Maybe that 28-14, to 14, their offense isn't very good, so I shouldn't give them 14. They're only putting up 26 points a game. Well, 31-49 and 49 against Duquesne and Dayton. They, they didn't score against Kentucky at all. So we'll, we'll, I think late in the third, we're probably looking at a 28-17 or 21-13 kind of game. I think it's going to be within you know 10 to 14 points. I think ultimately North Dakota State, with their depth, is the better team. And I think they're going to do what they did to South Dakota in the fourth quarter if they take care of the ball. That's the key on a homecoming Saturday where the Bison are looking to move to 2-0 in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. They need to take care of the football. If they do that, this is going to be a, a 34-17 to 17 kind of game. If they don't, we're in for a whale of a football game. I think the Bison do take care of it. I think we finally see that play-action game down the field. They took a shot last week with Braylon Henderson and Cam couldn't quite connect. I think we see finally... I've been calling for it all season. Finally, we see that big play action deep ball 
for a touchdown. Tyler Braylon Henderson or Zach Mathis at his North Dakota State 34. Youngstown State 17. This is Heard It Here with Swanee at 740 AM. The fan, thanks for tuning in. You have a great, safe day. Enjoying the homecoming celebrations. And remember that the strength of the herd is the bison, and the strength of the bison is the herd.